Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Grasshopper.com. Save $50 on your order at www.TryGrasshopper.com forward slash Paratruth. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when you meet your view of the paranormal? Cross the paths with the Christian view. Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. I am running solo tonight. Uh, Eric needed to be absent, so I decided to go on with the show without him and uh, get some special co-hosts on to talk about one of our favorite topics, cryptids. So I'm just going to get right into it and get going. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, and ParatruthRadio.com. Let's get ready to expose some lies. My guest co-hosts tonight are no strangers to the mystery and macabre of the paranormal. But tonight I decided to bring them on to talk about one of my favorite topics, cryptids. You should know them from Inside the Goblin Universe, Brian Bowden and Ronald Murphy. Ron and Brian, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you guys doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. Thank yes. you very much for having us on. Yes, Absolutely. thank you. Uh, feeling pretty good. It's, a, it's almost the holiday season. Well, it's past my particular holiday season. My holiday is Halloween. So I'm, yes. anybody in the paranormal community better be into Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That is absolutely the case. Now, are you the kind of person that has one small Halloween decoration up all year? Because I'll tell you what I do. One small one to just remind me that Halloween is right around the corner, even if it's 355 days away. Well, actually, in my office, I have a couple of uh, pieces that were Halloween, but they kind of fit my decor for my, my office as well, so... I'm like, I'm keeping them up. I don't care. So oh, that's just that's, right. that's a great way to go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, just I because don't... someone else doesn't like Halloween or, or <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's July. doesn't mean you shouldn't, <laughs> no. have, <laughs> shouldn't hey, have a Halloween have celebration. I have dragons and gargoyles all over the place. See, that all fits in. It's all good. It's acceptable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and and it's actually very arch- architectural. Um, the goblins and, and, the, and the, the, you know. That that wards off the evil. That's why you should have them hanging up. <laughs> well, it's funny that you know, going way back, gargoyles, which were the ugliest things known to man, were actually protectors of castles and that sort of a thing. Very high yeah. up, watching over everybody. Isn't that pretty odd? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, kind of like mom. 
That is a scary mom, let me tell you. Yeah. You should see some of them in my neighborhood. <laughs> some of them are scary. Um, but, you know, it's a great holiday. I mean, uh, I'm a holiday baby anyhow, so I'm a July 4th guy. Oh, um, that's my mom's birthday as well. Yep, it sucks. And, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, the, the best part is fireworks, but I think they should have fireworks on Halloween too. Yeah. I think that would be yeah. great. <laughs> Halloween think, festivities. Yeah, I think Halloween should be a national holiday because then the kids could always go out trick-or-treating on the 31st because a lot of places do it like the Saturday beforehand. But I think that it should be one of those things that's set in stone. Let kids go out and play. Let them have, you know, the day off. And let it be all day long, not just in the evening. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Hey, if England can uh, celebrate Guy Fox Day, you know, right. have a <laughs> celebration – why can't we do that for Halloween as well? <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> we're comparing England to the to the U.S. Yeah. I'm sure they're real thrilled about us right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 perfectly understandable. Hey, I'm Catholic, and Guy Fox was Catholic. I don't take any offense to that. You know what I mean? So you know, I think we should just have this whole idea of uh, you know these celebrations that are around the the less than desirable part of humanity. You know, I think they should have a day off for that. Yeah. Oh, I, I can I can also hear the radio ads for like like you know wouldn't you like to be a pagan too? You know, uh, <laughs> something simple like that or whatever. I mean, for, for the for the love of God, they celebrate Krampus. So in, yeah, you know. yeah, in Germany and a lot oh, of the... yeah, that's scary. It's kind of like look going to a Guar concert. You know, yeah, like <laughs> no, that. The concept of that alone. I mean, imagine bringing the kids out to the square to get your schnitzel. And the next thing you know, there's this freaking crap staring at you like, I'm going to take your soul. But, 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 but gentlemen, I, I think that we're kind of overlooking the fact of gargoyles and the Krampus. What happens if these things are actually based on uh, cryptids that were once with us? You know, we, we have to consider these kind of options, and that's how I do. I mean, I... In my research, I'm always looking for the archetype behind the yeah. legends and the folklore and things. And, you know, I, I'm quite convinced that at one time we had things very similar to what we would call gargoyles. And very possibly the Grampus legend is uh, is based upon some sort of bipedal creature that one time affected, you know, a Scandinavian community. Well, would that be the, the goat man at this point, if you want to talk about that that type of cryptid? Relatively uh, speaking, it would be a, a little co- close, I think. But uh, the the goat man compared to to Krampus <laughs> is yeah. it the only like huge difference is is Krampus's face isn't like a like like completely like a goat. It's more human than right. goat, and yeah. his teeth are super sharp. Whereas from all the legends that I've heard about goat man, it's it is just that it's a goat head on top of man's body and then a goat bottom. But it just it just stares where it eats grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we also are thinking about this, folks. Is we're looking at this through the lens of um, a Judeo-Christian community. So, of course, we're going to have elements of the demonic attached to this as well. But I think that if we go back into the pagan era, whenever this obviously was first formulated, uh, you know, we're talking about something that's hair-covered, bipedal, more of a wild man 
than a, uh, a devil because you can see the attributes of the later medieval influences, you know, with the yeah. horns, right. feet and everything. But, you know, when we really start peeling back the layers, you know, the way I look at, at, the, at cryptozoology in the world of things that go bump in the night, it's almost like an onion. You know, we're seeing the layer right now, but we really have to keep on digging deeper and deeper until we find out the genesis for all these different types of creatures. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, just just imagine this, going back in time, having a time machine and going back in time to see where the archetype comes from. And, I mean, like, it's got to be a sick place to be in. You know, if Krampus is real, that's a sick time period. You just don't want to be anywhere near that town. Or, <laughs> or you just like, holy crap, there's a 12-foot demon here yeah. that's, well, you know, eating things. Yeah. Or yeah. That, that's a good point. Now, in my research, what I've been able to uncover, it might let some of the listeners down a little bit, but I think that the idea of the human being behind a lot of these types of legends uh, should be discussed. When we think of things like um, the uh, the uh, berserker, you know, these kind of people right. that wore bearskins and everything, it's very possible the legend of Grampus is, is based upon, uh, you know, a human being uh, wearing some sort of animal clothing, uh, coming into a village and basically raping and pillaging. That's very possible. Mm, and I also yes. feel that yeah, that that the idea of the werewolf also stemmed from a lot of this type of stuff, you know, back in the Stone Age, that still, it, it left such an indelible mark on the human spirit. It resonates with us even to this day. You know, and, and playing on that, if you think about it, and you go back to the culture of the, the Nordics, and, you know, over there, I mean, that's 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 class A Vikings uh, mentality. Like, go in there, scare the crap out of them, uh, wear the helmet with the horns, you know, dirty your face up, put blood on it. Sure. That fear alone is used in almost every culture. I think uh, even uh, I had the pleasure of going to the Polynesian Culture Center when I was in Hawaii. So you go through all the different islands, and basically everything's based off of fear and how you respond to it. You would mm-hmm. think someone's going to kill you at one point, but they're really not. Well, so I mean, yeah. imagine if Krampus is some Nordic guy, you know, whatever, um, that decided like I'm going to take over this land and this is mine. Yeah, that's oh, right. And then, right. and then the legend just grows and grows and grows, you know. Right. And the Vikings, I mean, their their empire rivaled that of Caesar. So, I mean, it, it is getting into a lot of different aspects of that. Yeah. Yeah, see, that, that's a great point. So when we think of the Vikings, you know, we, we think of them as, you know, these Nordic people, but that's probably not the case. We know that at the time of the Emperor Justinian, over in the Byzantine Empire, he had as part of his bodyguard, as part of his retinue, uh, Vikings. And we're yeah. talking about, you know, we're over there, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the Far East here. We're talking about this is actually in Asia. And then, of course, the Vikings probably came we know that they came at least as far as Newfoundland, um, but if you go down to um, Jamestown, Virginia, uh, where America mm-hmm. was founded, uh, they have a plaque there that states that the uh, Vikings probably founded the state of Maine, probably made it to what is now Maine, and right around 1000 A.D. So if we think from Maine the whole way over to uh, Constantinople, I mean, we're talking about a huge – we're talking over half the earth. Right. So, so basically, we just solved the theory of the wild man, uh, Bigfoot, Krampus. <laughs> it's all the Vikings. It's all the Vikings. Well, I, I, I think I a lot of it is. You know? that. I bet you could actually sell that to everybody in this paranormal field. If you did enough research on that, you could sell it that it was what you're seeing is 
a, a, a warrior that was tasked to go whatever to certain areas and fields. And that, that really is just a plain old Viking. Well, but, you it, know, and Broly, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's odd that you brought that up, Ryan, because I did do all the research. If you read my freaking yes. books. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, and, you know, that is the thing. But what happens whenever we have the tells of the Vikings encountering things? Well, that's that's where it gets really weird because the Vikings have encountered tons of things. Yeah, so. I mean, we're, yeah we're talking about the Skraelings. Now, this is an interesting thing. You know, this is part of Eric the Red. Uh, they make it to Vinland, which is probably, probably Canada, and they talk about these, these swarthy, hair-covered creatures with these little black, beady eyes attacking immediately. Yep. Um, now, the research that I've done on this, and, I, and I'm, I've looked at a lot of uh, research from the uh, uh, 18th century, 19th century with, with people that were really a part of the world of uh, seagoing exploration, and they are saying that they probably encountered the Inuit or some sort of First Nation people. Uh, and that, might, might, that might be the case. That might be the case in some degrees. But I think if we read a little bit deeper, it looks more like a Bigfoot sighting than it does a... Right. Uh, an anthropological exploration of another tribe. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to read the Ron Murphy uh, collection <laughs> because, uh, um, I thought, you know, you know, doing a whole, you know, show with them, maybe I'd get a book or two, uh, <laughs> you know, autographed here, Brian, thanks for your best wishes. But, um, you know, it's really funny. I, I tell this to Ron all the time. His research on all the subjects that he writes on, uh, vampires, werewolves, dogmen, uh, it's impeccable. He should be teaching a graduate level class. And I'm like, I kid you not. Um, my mission is to get him into some university and, and that would be the class that I would have taken a long time ago. Cause it was like the cool class. I'm going to get an A and I'm going to learn some crazy crap, mm-hmm. but um, he's right. I mean, like, you know, I don't know if it was the Inuits. I know a lot about the Inuits and they, that that's not their their style. I'm thinking more so. Maybe it is a Bigfoot or yeah, that that's right. that that. Well, maybe it's the missing link, you know, because we still we don't know if Bigfoot is part of that missing link, uh, you know, caveman type of uh mentality, um, you know, giant epithecus. But either way, I mean, like some of these stories that are coming out. You're talking. What do you want to talk about cryptids? I mean, it's just it's insanity that it's that global. Everybody right. has something yeah. like this. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So if you think of the idea of the wild man, that courses through the veins of every single human being on this planet, and there's a reason for that, and we just have to figure out what that reason is. Well, are they are they landlocked? What do you think? As far as the Bigfoot? Well, do you think that these creatures got landlocked somehow? I mean, we're talking about a creature that's been around for thousands of years. Almost since the beginning of time. It has to have been around since the beginning of time. Uh, maybe it didn't develop properly or, you know, uh, maybe it ate too many of its own and got some kind of genetic disease. But, you know, each spot, I mean, the, every continent has this creature on it. Right. Well, and yeah, that, I mean, that, that would be a good possibility of like when Pangea broke, just like the dinosaurs, these creatures would have been separated as well. The, the whole problem with that, though, is we have to kind of review and retool the idea of evolution because what's going on with the mammals at the time of Pangaea? You know, there's really no kind of so, – so it has to be something later uh, if we are going to take evolution into account. 
Uh, so if it's something later, we're talking about something that a branch off of the way we formed. Obviously, if that's the way we're going to look at it. If we're going to look at it scientifically, now if we're looking at it a religious point of view, we could take it a whole different level. And, and oh, I have yeah. no problem doing that as well too. <laughs> but, you know, scientists, you know, and have to be skeptical and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it's very interesting. But the one I thing I'm brought on the religious end, on the religious, religious end is actually a very good subject. We should definitely touch on it because you have so many different vehicles that it could be coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, the Nephilim, uh, angels, archangels, uh, anybody that's fallen angels, uh, you know, this, th- that could be very interesting. Let's, let's, let's touch back on that, Ron. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to make a show of that. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Well, that would be a good show for you guys to have. At least Eric on because he he is the the biblical biblical scholar out of the two of us because he actually did go to school for uh, uh, ministry so it would be really nice. interesting to have yeah to have we'll a, do it we'll plan it out I don't know I don't know I'm thinking Eric is actually a cryptid because this is the <laughs> second time we've met and Eric is nowhere to be found yeah so, that's a little I, I strange mean, I don't know about this uh, you know yeah. that's like kind of like having that girlfriend in Canada you know? <laughs> he's very elusive I was going to say he is rather elusive I'll, I'll give you that <laughs> seriously so he's he's doing God's work right now that's right uh, that's right but, but gentlemen, while we're on the subject, if I could take a quick steer away from the religion and go to the idea of landlord, what do we yes. do about the cryptid down there in Australia? What do we do about the Yowie? Because it does not fit into any of our paradigms. What do we do about the Yowie guys? Uh, I, that, that's a, that whole continent is just a <laughs> mystical, magical place in itself. Everything um, you. Everything is poisonous. Everything. Uh, and everything. Like, even the platypus. You know, if I were walking along and I found a platypus, I would immediately pick it up and start hugging it. But, you know, the males actually are venomous and they would kill you. Right. They have, it's, it's, I believe it's, they it's have like, quills, don't they? Yeah. yeah, they have like a barb underneath their left arm or something yeah. like that. Some sort of uh, uh, go-go gadget, uh, temp, uh, you know, technology they have down there. <laughs> Look at oh, this platypus. Oh, my God, I'm dying. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I asked Carl Schuker. I actually got a chance to talk to Carl Schuker about this. I guess I should call him Dr. Schuker. And uh, he said that there, there might be the possibility of um, the Yowie being, evolu- being evolution's way of toying around with a marsupial great ape. Now that's an interesting. Wow, thing. that's yeah. that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I I've been in contact with a couple of people down in the, the land down under that deal with this and investigate it, and a lot of them are saying something to the effect of there's like a mystical property to this creature, where they kind of in, it's almost like the skinwalker. It invades your dreams. It invade it, 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 if it tags or tags you for for a selection, let's say. Um, it can have a way of getting into your head, and yeah. it's not—it's not your general like like you know when people over use the overactive imagination. This is—I've had people say directly like this thing was in my head. It visited me in my house. I don't know how the hell it found me. Um, so I actually help a couple people out, cleanse themselves uh, yeah. from this. So what is the mystical portion of it? And then that gets back to the religion side of it. Yeah. Are these angels? Are these? Right. Uh, what, what's this angels, archangels? I mean, uh, what's the yeah. uh, seraphs? I mean, what yeah, are these but, things? And why would you want to be landlocked? That's right. Right. Well, um, a, a couple things about this. Now, I have spoken to a woman in my neck of the woods. I'm in western Pennsylvania that did indeed have a Bigfoot 
materialize within her home and speak Jeez. to her telepathically. You know, it would watch her do laundry, it watch her do vacuum and things like that. So one time she woke up and found it sitting at the end of her bed just watching her. There was no kind of ill feelings from this creature. It was just there to observe, ask her what she was doing telepathically, and just one day it disappeared. So this idea of um, something being able to come in contact with you, attaching itself to you, is something that's, again, part of the human psyche. Now, yes. whenever we're dealing with aboriginal religion, and we talk about the dream time, the time before time, or the time out of time, very, very interesting when we look at that idea of religion uh, from the Australian point of view, from the Aboriginal point of view. So this is where fairies come from. This is where right. everything comes from. Mm -hmm. The whole world is imbued with intelligence. The whole world has this spark of the divine in it. It's to be revered. It's to be you know, honored. It's to be also a way of communicating with the divine. So we're looking at a completely different level uh, from our understanding of what a Yahweh would be to what the aboriginal view would be. Right. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive that um, these, cre these, these indigenous people do have that dream time, like, like the Native Americans and, uh, mm -hmm. around the world. Is there a spot between, where the, or have they unlocked the secret and through meditation, let's say, through the dream time, where all these worlds, these parallel universes just collide, and it is the doorway to the unknown. I'm thoroughly impressed that this, this Bigfoot materializes in this woman's house and watches, watches her do laundry. Um, yes. I, I, I mean, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know if, just thinking about it, I mean, I, I, my cartoon would be the Bigfoot materializing, she's doing the laundry, she sees him there, and before he goes, he's like, what, you're not going to use bleach? You know, and, then, <laughs> and that's it. But well, I mean, like, if you think about it though, if, if it's being, if it's speaking telepathically, it could also project itself telepathically yes. and not even be there in the first place. And, you know, a lot of people throw out the interdimensional card for pretty much any, any, uh, cryptid that's out there. And, Maybe these things are or aren't, I don't know, but one thing that was brought up to me once is maybe this thing really is more of a shapeshifter. So whatever you're thinking of or whatever, um, I don't want to say fear, but your interests are, that's what it appears to you right. as. Well, yep. it, it's, you know, through my investigation to the, of this creature, um, I was thrown totally off by this thing because I never subscribed to that interdimensional, uh, you know, just appearing type of thing. I thought this was a living, breathing, um, you know, creature, mammal, whatever, uh, cross between an ape and a human and never thought about this materialization and, or this woman that Stan Gorton uh, talked about. She went on the patio. He was there standing with his hands up. She shot him within a foot from a uh, bright light appeared. He just dematerialized. Until I had an encounter where we had an encounter, and this creature literally traveled in pitch black uh, over a mile in under a second, literally. So at that point, I was like, okay, maybe there is something to this this portal or the creature being able to come and go like the wind. Right. Um, and that doesn't necessarily negate that they're not flesh and blood animals. They most certainly could be just on a different plane of existence than we are in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, I, I, mean, I like that idea as well too. I, I, all the research that I have done, 
uh, on the on the realm of the cryptids. I've come to the conclusion that all these things that we're seeing, Bigfoot, Dogman, lake monsters even, uh, seagoing monsters, may simply be an earthbound intelligent energy that we either project what we want to see onto it or it projects itself into us. But I've come to the conclusion that all these things that we're looking for and everything else like that may be a simple intelligent energy that is part of the world. So, so, so it's kind of like a, a Tulpa type of deal where you're creating well, a thought form? Well, no. Uh, but that does have something to do with it. I, of course, like to investigate the idea of the world of the fae, the fairy. Okay. So when we talk about fairies, we're talking about these intelligences that exist within nature itself. So to take that a step further, what happens if these intelligences have always been out there and we, in, through some sort of survival technique or through some sort of uh, convergent evolution that we had both been on, it can either project itself into us or, as you said about a tulpa, that so many people have witnessed the same kind of energy that we simply have made it into something other than what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not really big on that whole, like, you know, you think it and it appears. Um, that's too much of, like, the secret, you know, it's like, you know. <laughs> If you think positive things are going to happen, everything's going to happen great. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I don't think the world is that way. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, maybe we're not a, a, at a certain obtaining level, uh, frequency wise or, you know, that we can get out of this, this, this shell that we have right now. But I, I mean, I definitely have a, I, I know this thing is a, a flesh and blood creature, but the, the ability of this thing to dematerialize and at will or cloak itself is, has to be investigated by more people. This, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I watched hundreds of hours of video on Bigfoot and Sasquatch and even Dogman. And, um, what I've noticed is everybody says the same thing. How can you can't get a good picture of this thing? And my theory is if you take infrasound and, uh, and there's a lot of animals that use it and you use the infrasound, if once this creature is aware that you, it knows you're there, and very rarely does it not know you're there. It immediately puts up an infrasound field around it and it distorts any type of imaging. Uh, you'll, you'll see the, the best, the best video, I think it's still Patterson, straight off the bat with Patty. That's right. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't think there's anything that really interferes with it. It was so quick and so instant that I don't think this creature had the ability to actually transmute itself or, or, or put the infrasound out there. But However, somebody, though, well, yeah. let me stop you there for a second. What is the medium that Patterson Gimlin used to film that with? Well, that was raw film, right? Exactly. See, that's another part of my research as well. Yep. That we're working on digital right now. Right. And yep. nobody's using film anymore. Is it possible that, you know, because digital is something electronical, but electronically based, is it possible these creatures are able to, uh, uh, you know, infiltrate the, uh, the electronics? Through some sort of vibration or, or energy of some well, kind. And that's where the infrasound comes in. That's, yeah, that's, where, yeah. that's why. And, uh, and one of the greatest examples is probably some of the best video footage recently of this elusive creature came from that eagle cam, I think, in, in Oregon or wherever it was. It was so high up, we were watching a nest. And in the background on the ground, you see this Bigfoot. And it's, it's you know, kind of looks monkey-ish, but whatever. It's not aware that it, there's a camera there. So... 
it has no need to, to set off. It's kind of like a skunk will lift its tail and set out a little bit of a scent when it gets scared. It's not scared. It's unaware that you're there or it's there. And so it has no reason to set up the infrasound. But there are other times when you see this creature coming and moving and it almost cloaks itself. I've seen tons of video. There's one for, uh, uh, something with National Geographic. They did a, uh, into the wild movie or they recently put out. Yes. There's, there's, yes, there's yes. Bigfoot footage of this. They caught a Bigfoot on that, that, you know, someone literally sat there and you see this thing move and then it kind of like jumps uh, a vast distance, but then it also cloaks itself. You gotta watch it a couple of times. Watch it on a big screen. You'll see this taking place. So maybe you're right. Maybe there is something to do with the electronics of it and the infrasound is affecting that. It's like a cloak. We're using it now for the military anyhow. So we could have learned very well from this. Well, if you look at, um, like going into paranormal investigations, some of the best EVPs were caught on oh, analog yes, yes, yes. recorders compared to the digital recorders today. Yep. Because now we have to go into multi-frequency recorders well, just to get a, a decent EVP. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Yes. I mean, those get, they have those and they're very, very pricey. So well, yeah. <laughs> most of your, most of your, your homegrown, uh, uh, the paranormal investigators are going to have your, your standard, you know, digital recorder and which works. It does work. Right. Uh, if something wants to communicate with you, it will find its way. Right. Um, yeah. I've, I've learned, I've learned that very simply, you know, right off the bat. Um, but some of the best EVPs I've heard are from, I believe it or not, people using tape recorders, the genetic, you know, generic, um, uh, Magnetic tape, the old cassettes that we used mm. to wind with pencils. Um, I'm giving you my age at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, if you're born within at least 1990, I would hope that you know what a cassette tape is. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree that I, I've said this about my, my workplace as well as numerous other things. Technology is great, but in a lot of ways it's put us behind in a lot of different areas. Like, for example, I work for the post office. The post office is now automated. But now, even still, it causes more error than it does good because we will get constant uh, missent stuff to us that's supposed to go to another post office. You would think if it's an animated system, it should be a little more perfect than that, but... 
It, it, but it's not. I mean, I know, I know, you know, in, in the post office. By the way, how much would it cost to mail either me or Ron to each other? <laughs> <laughs> Once a week. Well, so we're allowed to. Done. We are allowed to ship live animals, but I don't think you're considered an animal, though. No. A well, lot of, a, a lot of, uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of, uh, <laughs> scientists might argue that fact that we are animals. Um, see, here's the problem with technology, okay, today. Technology is created based off of human beings. Right. Human beings are built to fail. Right. Um, like it or not, we are. We're, we're, we fail on a lot of things. Your computer so is only as smart as the Programmer, programmer that did it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, the scary part is what they have now is they have a lot of this technology that's actually doing it themselves. You heard about uh, Facebook. They had uh, they were doing some kind of experiment with technology, uh, computers, artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence was so advanced, they were able to create their own language, not one, but like several of them. And they mm. were communicating back and forth with each other. They got nervous with this, and they had to shut the whole thing down. Yeah, that's a little scary. That That's actually very scary because yeah. we're, you're going to get to the point, logically, humans are not logical. It's not logical to have humans on this planet. It's actually illogical. Mm-hmm. Think about it. They serve no purpose. They, Except for conquering and causing problems and whatever, um, every animal has serves a purpose was to a certain degree, like an ant will serve a purpose for a fly, will serve a purpose for whatever. But humans, once these machines catch on, and I'm, I'm waiting for that whole terminative thing where these machines turn on the, the creator because they're, they're better than, than the human being. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have another cryptid there, but is it, is it, it's a scientific cryptid, which is kind of a scary prospect. That's, yeah, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it technically becomes encrypted because this thing then goes from being an innocent microprocessor to now thinking. And again, it's only good as the programmer. So uh, eventually you'd have to go through 17, 20 generations before this thing started to really weed out the failure on the, on the programming and refigure how to program better. Mm-hmm. By that time, we're all dead. Well, yeah, I, I, I think there is a huge credence to the statement in The Matrix where Agent Smith says humanity is a disease. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing, guys, but listen up. We're killing our world. So there must be yes. some truth to that fact. So I, I yeah, I kind of said something similar to that today, this last week. There were so many people in my area, and I live in a major metropolitan area, New York City. Mm. I mean, it's oversaturated. And I said, I said straight up, I said, we have too many people here. We need, we are so due for a global earth catastrophe disaster to replenish, you know, reset the populace. Um, and I know it sounds really sick when I'm saying this, um, but we need to, we have to start thinning this herd. And it's uh, it's not my choice. I'm just saying I'm I'm waiting for that that wrath of God type of thing because we're out of control. Yeah, I, I yeah. So well, and a lot of people are like so upset about uh, the climate change and and everything else. And it's like if you would look at Earth's history, we go through extreme global changes every. 
26,000 years. Yeah, something. I didn't know the exact number. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's no problem. It's every, it's every 26 to 27,000 years. We actually change, we, we change, um, axis. We change magnetic north. Um, we have ice ages and, and, right. and whatever. We actually get cooler. There's a reason for it and it's been done through core samples. The problem we have right now is we're living through that moment where we're changing. So of course you get Al Gore up there. We're going to die if we don't, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not global warming. This is part of life. It's the circle of life. Um, some of the things that come Matata now and you know, and, and now they're like, Oh, you know, we've got to do something about the planet for our children. Well, I gotta be honest. It's going to be. 20 generations before anything like that would ever affect us and right. we're not going to be able to fix it. Right. You know, this is just you can't fix. Happens, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The idea though of, uh, you're, we're, we're talking about the, uh, the earth, the way it wobbles. It's called, uh, procession, which is a really cool astronomical term and probably an answer on Jeopardy one time. Um, <laughs> but it does. It, it, the earth wobbles like a top. And, oh, yeah. uh, so, so, uh, every 26,000 years, Brian is completely accurate about this, uh, it will have a lot of upheaval. It will have a lot of change. Yep. Now, my hope is that human beings have been through, uh, you know, roughly 10 of these things, uh, within their, uh, their reign here on Earth, within their time here on Earth. And I'm hoping that we are able to keep on pulling through this stuff. But in order to do that, we need to work together. That That's like the bottom line. I don't want to seem too new agey here as the program is, is, <laughs> yes. you know, is coming through. But that is true. That is absolutely true. The reason why that's we were able to survive them so often is – that, that's right. The that's reason we were able to survive them is because uh, we, we were in the, uh, in the glacier ages for most of the time, you know. So things have changed. And we'll go back to the way possible that we'll see another glacier, you know, ice age again. It's very possible. You know, I mean, and, and this again goes back. Let's go, let's, let's pull it back to cryptids again. What has been caught in the ice layers that somehow, and, and look of it as a hyperstasis, right? Right. So this is like, you know, deep space, you know, Buck Rogers type of, you know, stuff. What do we release every, every 27,000 years? What comes back? That we weren't aware of because it's buried under miles and miles of ice that now are, it's not miles and miles of ice. It's, it's out there. And some of them will, will travel to an area where they're on the cusp of the old world. And when, when it happens again every 27,000 years, they'll be, they'll, they're the Bigfoots. You know, what, what are we missing here? Where's, where's that, you know, that, that's why I think Antarctica is such a huge place for everybody to go to because they must be finding stuff there that'll blow the, Doors off of everybody. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You know, I mean, they find the pyramids. Uh, apparently, Nazis are there now. <laughs> <laughs> They've moved in. Um, but you know, what happens when we we twist and and magnetic north is now uh, 45 degrees to the right, and Antarctica melts, and New York is under ice, and what, what's released at this point? That's a very that's good a scary question. prospect. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, are the serpents up there? Are these gigantic serpents or dragons that they talked about yeah. in the Middle Ages? Right. And to it be released. To, yeah, it doesn't have to even be that melodramatic. What could be underneath this ice is germs that we haven't seen for right. hundreds uh, of thousands of years. And that's even more terrifying. Right. right. I, well, I think well, they have found samples of 
uh, diseases that we haven't had or even discovered yet in Antarctica, I believe. Haven't we? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they found tons of stuff in the ice layers and then in the, those sediment layers there. But, you know, just think about this. There's certain viruses and diseases that actually occur in specific areas. There's uh, something in, in, um, in Africa slash the Middle East that these kids get where they act like zombies. They will bite through their own. They have children have to be tied up. Um, I forgot the name of the actual disease. Uh, it was I read about this a while ago, and it, it comes from a, a, a fly or a specific type of infection that they get, and it's part of a bacterial infection. Right. So what the? I mean, can you imagine that if if they release something from under the ice, maybe that transforms humans into these cryptids, into the uh-huh. Bigfoot, into the werewolf. Well, I mean, it's very possible. Yeah. Right. Well, what, what's going on here now is that the Earth is is linked uh, globally by air travel. We can get from one side of the world to the other side in less than 24 hours. So it's no problem somebody being exposed to a disease that nobody has ever heard of and bring it into a place like New York City. Oh, yeah, there's a pandemic waiting to happen. Oh, absolutely. It's very, very possible that this will happen someday. Um, And, you know, we're we're talking about destroying rainforest, but that means us going into places we have never been before. Now, also, in India... Whenever this, this other type of bubonic plague shows up, but I think it, I think it's, it, it's a, uh, pneumatic plague, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So it affects us slightly different than the bubonic, bubonic plague. But you know, remember that, that destroyed two thirds of Europe at one time. Right. What is this capable of doing? Well, right. hold on. Let's get out of the plague right now. I think, uh, I posted this on Facebook at one point. Uh, I forgot where it is in Africa, but one point part of Africa, has uh, Madagascar actually has the plague outbreak right now. Yeah, the plague. It's killing tons of people. But right across the the water is the Marburg, and that's even worse than the plague. There's no cure for Marburg. So so it's like it's like the ultimate showdown. It's the ultimate the uh, fr- you know sat you know Friday night fight. Who wins on that deal? And yeah. when will these people ever figure out that eating the monkeys and the bats in the cave is a bad idea? <laughs> like, Seriously. Yeah, some, these are some diseases. Are... What happens if you take the disease and, and let, let's forget the science aspect of it. What happens if someone mutates that disease where you kind of have this zombie, you create zombies from this? It's a guarantee. Well, there's people. an article that again, saw on Facebook. I've seen it in other places too. Where there's this, uh, I, I believe it's a fungus that can make ants into these zombie-like creatures because of the spores. The spores will, uh, basically take over the ant's body to spread the spores to other areas. Oh my That's god. Right. They use it as they, they use it as a vehicle to right, get around. Vehicle, right. Basically, is what it's doing. So uh, it, it takes over its uh, its its mechanical drive, if you will. It's right. Biomechanical drive. And, and and when we talk about the idea of um, people becoming zombies, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're so much talking about the Walking Dead here, but we are talking about the idea that people can become. Under the influence of a disease. And is that yes. possible? Is that ever happened before? Absolutely. Look at rabies. Rabies will definitely oh. take over. 
somebody uh, tremendously. When we talk about uh, vampires and we talk about uh, werewolf legends from the uh, from the, you know, the the antiquity up through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, a lot of this stuff could be blamed upon something as simple as a rabies epidemic. Yes, and you know, I was, I was and you know what? I, I got to say it right now, guys. Rabies would be a good drink on the paramexology program. <laughs> you gotta have some kind of drink where, where it's like, like, a, like a frothy thing. Frothy, yeah. You know, it's frothing, you know, like the whole race. But yeah. rabies is a scary disease because there, there was a guy recently that just died from rabies. Yeah. And, um, I've, I've always been scared of rabies ever since I've been a kid because it's one of those things where there's no cure for it. Uh, and it's all, you know, it, it's instant death. Well, not instant death. It could take quite some time. But I remember as a child, uh, whenever there was an outbreak in Turkey, and on the on the first page of our newspaper, it showed that they were actually keeping people in cages because they were afraid of you know the violence and uh, the, the 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 seizing of the body and all that other kind of stuff. That's a very scary proposition to think if you know a third of our population was infected with a disease such as rabies. What happens? You know, it, it will be pandemonium and chaos. What right. about what about if the government takes this disease of rabies and actually mutates it so that you don't die from it, but you still act like a crazed crazed animal, a lunatic? Uh, or you know, what happens? Or, or if you do die for it, they could care less. You know, if you die from it, well, you know, you, yeah. Pretty interesting subject. Uh, uh, again, with zombies and rabies and what have you is. Uh, I don't know if you remember about a year ago, all the bath salts that were coming out and people were smoking them and getting high yeah. from bath salts. Yeah. Here's the scary part about the bath salts. If you watch some of the videos, and I recommend you go to YouTube and look up bath salt, uh, you know, videos of people that have been on these things. This is a product that chemically changed you instantaneously, your entire body. Mm. And these people were just deranged. They were acting like, like freaking walking dead. But like vicious, they were diving into people's moon roofs. Um, they were biting people. This one guy bit, you know, this is an innocent, you know, kid that was just smoking at once. He bit the face off of his friend. He was biting the face off of his friend. Think about that concept. Yeah. Yeah. A cop found somebody under a bridge eating another guy. Yeah. And this is because they smoked a little bath salt. So, I mean, maybe, you know, we're drawing a line between what is governmental based, you know, whatever their desire to create the next bioweapon, what is natural, natural based, and then what is like angelic or religious based? Are these, are these diseases sent down from heaven or from up from hell? Or what happens if they're literally sent down from heaven? They could even have an extraterrestrial basis to it as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could just, I mean, you know, you get these gray aliens, apparently their skin, uh, from what we gathered on the grays, the way they, they, they consume or replenish their whatever they need is actually they spread it through their skin. So the, from what I've, I've researched, all these cattle mutilations take place because they take the, 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 the blood and the electrolytes from, from, from the body parts. And they don't physically put it in their mouths. It absorbs through their the, the skin layer. So basically, that, you do a, a bath yep. in in the cow's blood, sort of. Yeah, they, they, it's 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 a weird thing, but I guess it goes through the pores of their skin. But there's been so many reports of people encountering these grays, and they touch them or they grab them, and then later that you know they're a couple days later they're dead, or they have you know the black liquid relating to it, which. 
Yes, they put it in the X-Files, and a lot of people think, well, this is, you know, oh, it's just something made up. It's not. There have been plenty of people that have been found with this crazy substance. They don't know what it is, or they will not release it to, you know, for us to know what it is. Right. But there's been a connection between that and being, um, and gray aliens. So, I mean, that, that's a disease that could be coming here too, you know? Yeah. And what happens if it's even not from a, uh, uh, an extraterrestrial, what happened if it could have been set here by a meteor? I mean, it could be something yes, as right. innocuous as that as well. That's the Andromeda strain, right? Uh, or the blob or any of those other might be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I think the blob is actually a homunculus that went, <laughs> went <astray. laughs> Oh, my. Brian loves his homunculus. See, that, that, that's <laughs> the thing. You don't understand. I, you wake up. I wake up. I'm checking my mail. I'm checking, you know, the, my, my brood ready to go. And then I see now I see this video of this guy and he creates this, this, this thing. And I'm like, he created it. And then I start researching. I'm like, Oh my God, this is disgusting. But you're just mesmerized by like the fact that he may have created a species or life using his body parts and an egg of an ostrich or whatever. And there's, there's a great video on there about a Russian guy that's been experimenting with this thing. Apparently this homunculus, um, admits a poison. And it also emits an electronic uh, type of shock. So they put a fish in with it, and within a minute, it, it just got uh, jolted. But it looks just like the blob. I, I think look, I, I gotta, have seen something. Yeah, I think I have seen something similar to that. Um, I, I'm sure it was it was uh, circulated on Facebook or whatever, but I'm almost positive I've seen what, what you're talking about. Um, well, if it was circulated on Facebook, you damn sure it was me. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes it real those right there, yeah. right, Like, this is sick. <laughs> we should have a homunculus, like, inside the Goblin Universe homunculus kit. <laughs> like a mascot, like a mascot. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's Hermie, the homunculus. <laughs> What's going on, Hermie? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. guys, um, we are getting close to the end here, so I did want to give you guys a chance to... Uh, Tell everybody where they can find you guys, Ron, where they can find your books and all that great information. Well, I hope you would find me at a conference because I would love to meet you. And Brian and I are starting to do a lot of conferences together. So uh, look forward to that in the very near future. But until that time, you can go to your uh, friendly neighborhood, Amazon.com, and find all of my books on there, ranging everything from, you know, vampires and werewolves to ghosts and uh, just just fascinating reads, I must say, just fascinating. And uh, and then you can also listen to us because yes. I don't know if you guys know this, but Brian and I also do a podcast together. We do. What? Yes! Get out of town. I'm not kidding you. We do a podcast together, and it's entitled Inside the Goblin Universe. Yes. it's on. It's it's on every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's on on YouTube as well. Yes, we have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to win more YouTube awards. Uh, We want to catch up to these guys over here, Paratooth, that I, I became 290th subscriber. Um, wow. I, I want, I want to, you know, I want everybody to subscribe, subscribe to it. Just go to your mom and dad's phones and go to their YouTube <laughs> and right, just hit right. subscribe. Okay. Okay. Subscribe I want you guys to, 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 
I want you guys to note that it's not Paratruth telling you to do this. No, no, <laughs> it's no, not, no, it's no. not Paratruth. It's Brian telling you to do this. <laughs> Take your mom and dad's phone and subscribe to Paratruth and to Inside the Goblin Universe. Yeah. And you'll, trust Actually, me, you'll enjoy it. These kids have better phones than their parents do. Oh, so I'm we're not sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're not yes. But, you know, we talk about everything from homunculuses to Bigfoot. Werewolves. To new wage stuff. You know, we talk about a little bit of everything. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not shy. We're not just paranormal. Um, we're anything that, that we find very interesting, worthy of bringing people, to, you know, to the forefront, uh, you know, so people can get it. And, uh, like you guys, you know, we, we just, there's an interest in it. We want, we want answers. That's right. right. Well, the, and the, the psych, yeah, the psychiatric community actually calls it abnormal. So if you want to go that <laughs> route as well, it's a little. Uh, yes. Abby, somebody. That's right. Abby normal. Abby right normal. <laughs> their wolves, uh, their castle. Why are you talking like that? Uh, <laughs> well, but, yeah, I love that, uh, of- you guys named it Inside the Goblin Universe because I, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Labyrinth with the Goblin oh. King. Yes. Yes. David Bowie. Yeah. No, actually, the Goblins is one of these kind of universal little characters that keep on showing up. So that's that's the reason why I named it uh, Inside the Goblin Universe, because it's stepping into that other realm. Yeah. Yes. He, he wrote about this a long time ago. Before he was even thinking about podcasting and shows, it was uh, in his books. And um, I just came along for the ride because, you know what, I have my own goblins, and damn it, I'm going to go look for some more. <laughs> That's right. We're going to look for some more goblins, yeah. But, you know, I re- appreciate, you know, being on your show. Uh, it, it's it's a very interesting forum, the way you have everything set up on here. Uh, yeah. Brian and I are both very flattered to be a part of this uh, because you have a great following, a great listenership, and thank you for introducing us to them. I appreciate it. Absolutely, and I'm glad that uh, I was able to get you guys on. And hopefully, one time down the road, Eric will actually come out of his elusive cave and finally be on with all of us, so that we can uh, bring his his. I guess you would call Here it we opinion. Go with the mysterious Canadian <laughs> yeah. girlfriend. That's right. <laughs> hey, try to get a picture of him too. Yeah. I would love to see a picture. Post a picture of him. They all come yeah. out blurry. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give Eric an incentive. Okay, to come out because he's a cryptic guy, I and mean, you you told that to us before. Um, I I had an encounter with a dog man, and I actually marked my territory, probably about a hundred feet in front of it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> wow, wow, not one of my best ideas in the planet, but it worked. The things, the things you find out about people. I'll tell right. you what. Whenever you talk to him. Tell him that we want to have you guys on our show, and yes. we'll make it. We'll make it happen within a week. I promise you that. Yes, sounds good. I will uh, definitely let him know. And um, folks, you've been listening to Paratruth Radio with Brian Bowden and Ron Murphy. We're gonna let them go, but we're gonna go to break and be right back, guys. Stay on the line with me, and we'll be back with Paratruth Radio. Hey, para fans, do I have a deal for you? The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Loot Crate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to TryLootCrate.com forward slash Paratruth. 
Again, that's trylootcrate.com forward slash paratruth and enter bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. All right, folks, that was Brian Bowden and Ron Murphy from Inside the Goblin Universe. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and, uh, you know, we got into a lot of different stuff, cryptids and we kind of veered off from cryptids for a little bit. So I hope you enjoyed all of the conversation. Um, I do want to encourage you guys to check out Inside the Goblin Universe. It's an excellent show. I've been on there myself. So definitely check them out. I will have a link in the show notes below for you to, to find them and all that, all their great stuff. So, um, I do want to encourage you guys to go to paratruthradio.com. Check out the website. Check out the merchandise, the T-shirts that we got for sale now. I'm super proud of them. And uh, definitely stay tuned to Paratruth Radio. We got a lot of great stuff coming up for you guys. Um, make sure you check out Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, and RadioPodcast.com. We are a part of all of those networks. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. Peace. I'm Joe, and, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!